0: Well good morning, my name is Don and uh, it's good to see everyone here this morning. You know last week as uh, Micah started out our sermon series on the Sermon of the Mount, um, it's is amazing how he can preach seven messages or however many Beatitudes are in one and and yet he made a statement, if I, if I can remember and quote it correctly, he said, Jesus isn't all we need, Jesus is all we have. And I thought that was an appropriate title, and maybe it would be for each of our sermons through the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is all we have. As interesting as... Uh, The, the, the effort placed into translating the entire Bible, the Old Testament. You know, oftentimes we would think, well, is that really important for those natives over there in uh, the highlands of, of the island of New Guinea? And yet all of God's Word proclaims Jesus. Jesus is all we have. And it will be brought out in today's passage is the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus, in in the account that uh, the Gospel of Matthew, um, you could turn it in your pew Bible. I think it's page eight hundred and ten, Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this is in Matthew's account. This is really the first teaching we get from uh, Jesus. It, you know, it's a little bit the different gospels, kind of bring forth different things in chronological order, but, but in chapter 4, uh, Jesus begins his ministry. John the Baptist is arre- arrested. Jesus calls his first disciples, and then he goes into this sermon. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. It's just amazing when we think of the multitude of writers that you used to bring your message into word, written word, thousands of years, and yet there's one message, Lord, we as man are desperate, are hopeless, we are in need of a Savior, and you, our loving Father, provided us one. Jesus is all we have this morning. All the other things fail us, but you are true and you have been true. Make that real in our lives this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just go ahead and read, uh, starting with verse 13. I think I'm about ready for a large print bible. <clears throat> Especially when I tear up. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salt? How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, unless... the kingdom of heaven. You know, as I was uh, have been studying and and meditating on this passage for a number of weeks, I got to thinking about verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And what a radical words these were for Jesus to speak. You know, I would as as I thought about it, this is really the kind of the center theme, the center verse of the Bible, you might say, of God's word, because everything previous, all this Old Testament was preaching Jesus. The law, the prophets, the historical accounts. It's amazing when you think about it, written over thousands of years, and there's one central theme, man's need of a Savior and God's provision of that Savior, Jesus. You know, a lot of times we, we miss out on the Old Testament, and yet it is pointing to this, this verse right here that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, the prophecies, and then as we go on, the rest of the, the, the Bible is explaining, Jesus is, is, is telling us who he is and, and what his purpose is and his sacrifice on the cross. And then the, the epistles and, and Paul's writing and Peter and, and the other writings tell us what does that mean for us? How do we, what do we do with that truth? But just think about it. Think about our faith. A faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Those of us that have surrendered our lives to him. It's not a blind faith. It's not something that we just conjure up. It's historical. Yeah, we still have to accept it by faith. But just think about it. As as we start out in Genesis... God creation, Adam and Eve, and their rebellion against God's commandments. And what happened? They tried to f- sow fig leaves to them, for themselves to cover their nakedness, and what a, what a failed attempt. And what did God do? He shed the blood of animals and covered them with their skins. God provided We come to Noah's ark, the the absolute depravity of mankind, and God gave Noah the design for the ark with one door, only one way, only one door of salvation, again pointing to Jesus, God's provision. A man of faith, Abraham. God called him to a distant land. And he gave him a son of promise. A son in his old age that was absolutely a miracle that God provided. And then God asked him, Abraham, to sacrifice his only son. And just as Abraham was ready to slay his son... God stopped him and provided a ram. We see the law. We see the, uh, the Israelites, slaves in Egypt, and God provided the Passover lamb, the lamb, the perfect blemish, Jesus, the lamb of God. And as they were traveling to the promised land through the desert, God provided manna, bread from heaven. Jesus is our bread. They were thirsty, and God provided water from the rock, and Jesus, the living water. And as God gave them the law... There was a lot of ceremonial law and there was a lot of moral law. One of my favorites is the Day of Atonement. They brought a goat into the assembly and the priest laid his hands on the goat and confessed the sins of the people and placed them on that goat and sent them to the wilderness. Jesus, our scapegoat took our sins on him. And Jesus, our Sabbath rest. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Proclaims Jesus from beginning to end. Jesus is all we have. And Jesus is proclaiming to the people that he is the one. The people, were, the, the Jews were, were looking for a Messiah. But they were looking for a Messiah to, to put down Rome and to establish an earthly kingdom that lived by Mosaic, the Mosaic law. Established. And Jesus was not that Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah, was the Passover lamb, was the scapegoat, was the manna from heaven, was their Sabbath rest. And they missed it. And before we get real critical, they didn't have the whole story. But we do. Jesus is all we have. Jesus says, for in verse 20, for I tell you, unless you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, as I was been starting to prepare this message, and then we went to church camp. And church camp, the the basically the the theme and the, the message of camp was taken from Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit, and Micah taught those classes uh, in the morning and he started in the first part of Galatians five Paul is warning the Galatians of going back to the law, going back to legalism to adding to the, you know Jesus isn't enough you got to do these all these ceremonial things and Jesus is really warning against the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees this this we would term it as legalism but really what is it I would call it comparison righteousness comparison spirituality in Luke chapter 18 we have the account of a pharisee and and a tax collector both of them would be of the Jewish faith the Pharisee on the outside, he looks great. He's following the, every penny of the law, every dot. And then we have this Jewish tax collector, this guy that collaborates with Rome, this bad guy. And what is the Pharisee's prayer? God, I thank you I'm not like that guy. Comparison righteousness. You ever struggle with that? I do. Pretty easy to think about the things I'm pretty good at. Hey, that guy doesn't do it like I do it. A few weeks ago, uh, Doug mentioned in his message about the, the destructive power of Comparison. Speaking from the standpoint of when we compare ourselves to somebody that, man, they're a great singer, and they're athletic, and, they, and, uh, and I'm nobody, and Satan uses that to tear us down. But he, just the opposite side, he also uses comparison that we judge others to build ourselves up. And that's what these Pharisees were doing. That's why Jesus was so hard on them. I'm better than he is. I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I don't struggle with that. And yet in that chapter in Luke, when the tax collector says, Lord, forgive me, a sinner, Jesus says, who went away righteous? Who went away forgiven? It comes in all different forms, this comparison spirituality you know, oftentimes we think of legalism, we kind of think of a more conservative, somebody that dresses a certain way or does certain things. I remember uh, my grandparents talking about, back before a lot of people had clothes dryers, you know, you, hung, you washed their clothes and you hung them out in the clothesline. Well, you didn't dare let anybody see you hanging clothes on the clothesline on a Sunday. And I'm not advocating hanging clothes and doing wash on Sunday. But it became a part, I'm better than they are. I got it together and they don't. Because I don't do wash on Sunday. What about mowing your lawn on Sunday? I remember talking to one guy, he says, you know what? I go to church, I listen to a sermon And then I sit on my lawnmower and just meditate on that sermon while I'm mowing the lawn. And yet the other person might say, I don't mow my lawn on on Sunday. Aren't I good? But it can go the opposite way. We can, I don't, I have the freedom to mow on Sunday. That, that, person is so legalistic and yet their heart is pure and yours is just out for yourself comparison righteousness, comparison spirituality well I I have so I worship God so much better than the guy that just sits there stoic really? what's in your heart? Are you dependent on comparison righteousness to build yourself up, to think you're okay, to think you're better than your neighbor? Jesus is all we have. But just as we run into legalism, into uh, what I can, you know, I can strive for this, this righteousness. Jesus is very clear that he did not come to say we can do what we can, whatever we want to do. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a doubt will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What was wrong 4,000 years ago, is still wrong. What was sin is still sin. Again, as we as as we would uh, uh, some of the things we learned at camp. And Mike uh, was teaching these these the class every morning. The second day he talked about the. The people that take license, that take this so-called freedom and use it for flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself." You know, we often think of, and I will just label them legalism and license this morning. Legalism is man's effort to to follow the law, the Pharisees. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And then the license is, I can do whatever I want to do. I have freedom in Christ. And yet Paul warns us, do not use this your freedom to fulfill the opportunity for the flesh. And while we think of them as opposites, Mike have made the point, they aren't opposite, they're twins. You know, they might be on the opposite sides of the street, but they're both ditches. Because it's all about me. It's all about I. It's either I do and I don't, or it's I can and I will. I do and I don't, or I can and I will. The opposite of legalism and license is grace and mercy and the shed blood of Jesus. Very familiar verses, Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, but we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It was brought out that our freedom in Christ is to be free, to have the freedom to do what we God designed us to do, to be who God designed us to be. To the good works that He assigned us beforehand, We have our freedom in Christ. We have the freedom to not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We sometimes, we use terms. We have terms that we coin. And not that they're wrong, but sometimes we kind of, they become rote in our lives and we have to use the term, we accept Jesus as our Savior. And obviously, if, we, if that is what takes place in our heart, that is true. I would rather say the words, I surrender my life to Jesus. It's not, I'm adding Jesus to my life. It's, my life is Jesus. Jesus. We sometimes use the term, or we often use the term, where I'm a Christian. I like the term, I'm a follower of Jesus, because our world has cheapened the word Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to surrender my heart and my will to Him, because He's all I have. So Jesus here is warning us of the, of the righteousness of the Pharisees, the I do and I don't. And he's also warning us, and especially the teachers that would teach, that I can and I will. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... So, When you think of these verses and you put them in today's today's in our society today, what are the bright lights? What are the what is the flavor of salt? Don't we think of uh, those that minister and and have a great effect? They influence multitudes of people. Again at camp, Brady started us out on abiding in Christ. That's where it's at. That's where the light comes from. That's where the flavor of the salt comes from. And sadly, he used the example of a number of Christian, evangelical leaders just in the last few years. Men that that if we would have held a conference on how to be effective in our ministry, how to grow a church, they would have been the leaders and the speakers. And yet one by one, through sexual indiscretions, through financial indiscretions, and some with just arrogance and pride have fallen by the wayside. What seemingly was bright lights ended up being buried under a bushel. And not that God didn't use them. I know some of them spoke to my heart and encouraged me. But in the world's eyes, their light is buried under a bushel and the damage that they have done to the name of Christ it's a tragedy and yet we're attracted to the effective and the influencers and sometimes we miss out on looking at the heart and to seeing the source of light and the flavor of the salt, where it comes from. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world, Jesus speaking. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not ourselves here is paul probably the one of the a brilliant effective influencer for we what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay that we're, we're just this muddy jar of clay, but we have a treasure that's a surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. what is the source of your light? Is your light shining? Is your salt of the flavor of Jesus? As Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When when Jesus left this earth and, and transcended to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts to be the source of the light in our lives. And again, as we studied at camp the fruit of the spirit, I just had to think that is the light. The fruit of the spirit is the light. The true fruit of the spirit that is that it comes from the spirit of God. That is the flavor of our salt. Galatians, again at chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Sometimes we think of the fruit of the Spirit and we think it's a multiple fruits here, but the fruit is singular. It's all of these. It's not like you go to to Aldi's or to Walmart and there's blueberries and there's apples and there. No, this is all in one. All in one. Love, joy, peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control you want to be a light to those that come in contact with you those that are in your room you want to be salt that is that people crave let the spirit shine through you don't have to preach sermons You don't have to influence others. You don't have to be the most effective. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to to work hard to be good at what we do, to be good in ministry, to, to be organized in ministry, to be effective in our ministry. But that's not where the light comes from. The light comes from the Spirit shining, the Holy Spirit shining through us. So what about it? We live in a dark world. And you have multitudes of opportunities every day for those that you come in contact with to be a light. You know, what about that incompetent customer service representative that you're dealing with? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. How about when you're making a business deal? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. What about in your home when the doors are shut? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. At work, school, participating in sports, political discussion. We have so much division today. You know, today's 9 11. Those of us that are old enough remember of all of us coming together, a nation united, a society united. And today, the divisions that we see, are we participating in that? And I'm not saying we don't don't say what's right and what's wrong, but how do we say it? When David was king, he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. A good thing, the right thing to do. But he did it the wrong way. It was supposed to be the priest carrying it, and he put it on a cart, and it started to wobble, and the man in charge put his hand on it to steady it and died doing the wrong thing doing the right thing in the wrong way didn't work are we presenting the light the jesus the light in the way he would want us to with love joy peace patience kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This morning, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I ask you, what's holding you back? Is it doubts that he's even real? Or is it just, I just can't give up? My old life. Jesus is all we have. Our bank account, it's just some X's and O's on some computer somewhere. It could disappear in an instant. The next pandemic might have a 50% death rate. And our medicine could do nothing for it. I don't know. But I do know I have Jesus. And that's all, I, that's all I have. I don't know what tomorrow brings. And those of us that that's all we have, are we showing it to the world? Jesus came in chapter four verse seventeen right before this sermon on the mountain it says for that time from that time Jesus began preach to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand when's the last time you repented maybe for the first time or maybe for the time when your light was under a bushel. Or maybe it was a time when you were judging others because they weren't quite as good as you. Or maybe it was when you were serving your flesh rather than the Spirit of God in you. You know, repent's more than being sorry. Sorry. It's turning. It's an action. I'm going to pray and then the worship team is going to come up and close us with a hymn. Let's pray. Jesus, you you are all we have. People fail us. Society fails us. Our bodies fail us. And yet you have given your life. You have taken our sin on you to take it away. You, we live in your righteousness, Lord, not our own. Make that real in all our lives and let us go forth being true lights in this dark world a light that is, just comes from you, the source. That our our daily bread, our living water, comes from you to sustain, sustain us. Lord, be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.